Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Here we are, the Newsmax Daily, the first uh, venture into the oral media by Newsmax, and uh, that has been put in my hands. Welcome to the show. We've got a ton of stuff to get to today. Some incredible newsmakers on Newsmax the last couple of days, including uh, President Trump, former President Trump. Uh, great interview with Greg Kelly. We'll share the details on that very shortly. Martha Blackburn from the, or Marsha Blackburn from the border. Uh, we've got oh Adam Carolla, a Gen X anti-hero. I'm a I'm a Gen Xer, and uh, he talks to uh, Rob Schmidt about. Uh, Spring break, spring break violence and the Georgia shooting. So we're going to get to all that uh, in just a few as the show progresses. Going to start with uh, Kamala Harris yesterday being asked about visiting the border. Now we all know there's a border C word. Now we call it crisis. Uh, the Biden administration, and I'm not sure if this is just uh, foolish pride. Uh, if the word uh, crisis is worse than criminal or catastrophe, I'm not sure exactly what the. I'd say catastrophe is pretty bad, and you know. They're not calling it that either, but but everybody else is calling it a crisis. Um, and Kamala Harris found it uh, necessary to go to Atlanta to the uh, uh, tragic shooting of uh, six Asian women at an Asian spa and two uh, Caucasian people. Uh, she was very quick to claim this was a uh, an anti-Asian Asian hate crime, and that was not the case. But uh, yesterday, despite the crisis of the border, Kamala Harris says uh, that she has no plans on visiting anytime soon. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> there she is, laughing about it. But um, I have before, and I'm sure I will again. I have before, maybe when I was running. I don't remember the last time you were at the border, Kamala. I just uh, and considering the uh, what's going on there with all the trafficking and the children being sold and all that stuff, you, you might want to consider going to the border. Jen Psaki did the uh, did the crisis double down yesterday again, refusing to call the border crisis a crisis now that the public is seeing some of the images because the congressional delegation provided some photos and descriptions about what they witnessed children who are frightened and crying overcrowded conditions now that the public has seen that is that not a crisis up oh, she said the word and what conditions or situations what metrics would have to be in place for the administration to call it that well children <laughs> Uh, presenting at our border, yes. who are fleeing violence, who are fleeing prosecution, who are fleeing terrible situations, is not a crisis. 
Okay, well, the, yeah, that's a crisis in itself. But the fact that you guys weren't ready for it and you invited it essentially to happen with a thing called policy by doing an executive order as soon as the president took office, which eliminated the stay in Mexico provision, among other things. I think also like they're, they're flying banner signs over uh, Rio de Janeiro saying, come to America, it's awesome. Uh, no, um, the reason why it's happening is policy and uh, it's a crisis that they're leaving their country, but it's more of a crisis that they're in our country, that they're staying in cages and some of them don't have any running water. Yeah, all of that. That's a crisis, but uh, don't let the, don't, don't trip over the words there, Jen. So you think we're deep enough in debt now? Oh, it's only going to get worse. See, the Democrat playbook has been since FDR to do essentially the WPA. The WPA was taking government money, building government projects, and that actually uh, did not hasten the recovery from the Depression. It lengthened it. But they've never changed their playbook. President Biden is drafting a massive, I want you to listen to this because your, your grandchildren are going to pay for it, $3 trillion infrastructure spending deal. According to reports, most of the spending will be directed towards social welfare programs. So it's there to uh, for infrastructure, but maybe like the COVID bill, only 9% will be spent on infrastructure. The rest will be on pork. These are all things that Democrats promise every election and they never fix. And throwing more money at them won't make them any better. The New York Times previewed the spending plan on Tuesday, reporting despite the president's interest in infrastructure, it'll focus on reducing carbon emissions, that's not important. Addressing economic inequality. Uh, you know, some people get paid more. Some people get paid less. That's just the way. And, of course, promoting equity, which is kind of meaningless, actually. Only $1 trillion of the proposal would be spent on actual infrastructure priorities. Now, you'll recall during the Obama administration, they put together a $787 billion infrastructure package before any plans for infrastructure were made. And it ended up just being a massive payout to unions who were uh, deep in debt because of massive programs for retirement. Other priorities include investments in uh, wind and solar power. I think they, they wasn't that Solyndra the last... Yeah. 5G telecommunications, which, by the way, uh, the private sector is already taking care of, rural broadband, and, of course, worker training. They always include worker training because there are so many people going to be put out of work by the Obama administration or the, by the Biden administration. Wow, I slipped there, didn't I, in a big way? Yeah, uh, that they need to be retrained like all those people on the Keystone XL pipeline. Yeah. The second tragic shooting in a week, this one in Colorado. Ahmad al-Aliwi Alisi, 21-year-old suspect, Monday's massacre at the King Supers supermarket in Colorado City. In the Colorado City of Boulder, faces 10 counts of murder in the first degree. Boulder Police Chief Maris Harold said Tuesday the uh, the victims, uh, Denny Strong, 20 years old, Nevin Stastenik, uh, Ricky Olds, Trelona Bardowick, Susan Fountain, Terry Leaker, Boulder Chief Officer, Police officer Eric Talley, 51, Kevin McMahoney, 61, Lynn Murray, 62, Jody Waters, 65. The suspect is from Arvada, Colorado, lived most of his life in the United States. Now, he was taken to the Boulder County Jail, and the FBI special agent in charge, Michael Schneider, said it's, it's 
too premature to draw any conclusions about the motives at this time. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the vice president and the president went to Atlanta to the site of spa shootings and the motives, according to them, were hate crimes. This gentleman, Ahmad Al-Aliwi Alisi, went into a grocery store and shot people at random. No one is going to make any predispositions, and I agree with that. But Mr. President and Miss Vice President, you should have not done the same thing, or you should have done the same thing when it came to Atlanta, rather than jumping to conclusions that ultimately have been proven to not be true. By the way, the federal and local investigators have so far not found any evidence of federal hate crimes in Atlanta. So the rules with regard to COVID have been, at a minimum, they have been um, arbitrary. I think we can all agree with that, right? One day they tell you you need to be six feet apart. One day they got to tell you that you can't go into a restaurant. One day they got to tell you your kid can't go to school. You got to do uh, remote learning. You can't go to church. Uh, and they change. You, you, you can only have six people in your house for Thanksgiving. And they can only be from your immediate household. Uh, and, and these rules are absurd. And the six-foot rule has always been nonsensical to me. And I started literally when I went to Home Depot when this first started, <clears throat> there were markers for six-feet barriers. And I would step an inch closer to the person in front of me and say, I think I just killed us both because I'm less than six feet from you. Well, it turns out that uh, uh, FDA commissioner, former FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, said that uh, the mandating social distancing of six feet throughout the coronavirus pandemic might have been a really costly and unnecessary thing to do. Here he is. The six-foot distancing requirement has probably been the single costliest uh, mitigation tactic that we've uh, employed. In, as a- I think the only six-foot distancing that should be enforced when, is when someone is gassy on an elevator. Yeah. Result of COVID, in response to COVID. And it really wasn't based on clear science. We implemented it early on based on- No, really? Assumption that coronavirus was going to spread like influenza. And there had been some prior research that flu spread predominantly through droplets. And if you stayed six feet apart from people, it reduced droplet transmission. We've- By the way, last flu season, I mean, the one before this just past one, there were up to 740,000 hospitalizations uh, from flu. This last flu season- only 165. Do you suppose some of those might, uh, those COVID cases might have actually been the flu? Subsequently learned that COVID coronavirus is spreading through aerosols, not just droplets. So probably six feet isn't as uh, effective as it would be if this was purely droplet transmission. I think the fact that we've over relied on a flu based model caused us to under appreciate. I think it's more of a BS uh, based model, to be quite honest. Yeah. Dr. Monsef Slawi. Chief Scientific Advisor of uh, former President Trump's Operation Warp Speed panel said that 90% of President Joe Biden's vaccine rollout plan is the same as the previous administration's. You'll recall, Joe Biden said that uh, the Trump administration had failed. In fact, Joe Biden, even though he had two flu, or two flu shots, two uh, COVID shots before he became president, said that there were no COVID vaccines when he was elected or after he was inaugurated. Here is uh, Dr. Monsef Slawi. After Joe Biden. America had no real plan to vaccinate most of the country. My predecessor failed to order enough vaccines, failed to mobilize the effort to administer the shots, 
failed to set up vaccine centers. That changed the moment we took office. Is that fair? I think that's a very negative description of the reality. I do think that uh, we had plans and in fact 90% of what's happening now is the plan that we had. Uh, of course the first thing was to accelerate the development of the vaccine. We contracted specifically 100 million doses of vaccine but also built into the contracts options to don't you think that a presidency that would rush two vaccines to the uh, to the fore through approval in 10 months when it normally takes five years don't you think they might have had a plan for distribution or did donald trump just think they would just bring them and dump them in the white house lawn acquire more vaccines once we knew they are effective and the plan was to order more vaccines when when we knew they are more effective so I think what's happening is right, but I think what's happening is, frankly, what was the plan. It was the plan, and uh, Joe Biden's taking the credit for the plan. So a lot of newsmakers on Newsmax TV this week so far, including President Trump, this interview with Greg Kelly is making headlines everywhere. Yesterday, he spoke to the president about the border crisis. Both Republican and Democratic administrations that was torn down. Now, that's Homeland Security director, by the way, before Donald Trump. Uh, during the Trump administration. And that is why the challenge is more acute than it ever has been before. He was on all the Sunday shows uh, <laughs> blaming everything on you and your administration when we yeah. know any objective observer knows that this is on Joe Biden's watch and what he did. Yep. Just like they know I got the vaccine, I got the FDA to do it in nine months instead of five years. Yep. They wouldn't have gotten it. You wouldn't have had it ever, the vaccine. And they said he had the vaccine. But when Biden on January 20th said, no, we don't have a vaccine, he doesn't even know he had the shot in December. Now, we had the vaccine. Now we have actually four companies and probably another one coming out soon. All done during my administration, done by me to a large extent because I got FDA to do things that – Frankly, they didn't know they were capable of doing, and we got it approved in five months. Because they're a government bureaucracy, Mr. President, and you're a businessman. You have to get things done or you fail. And then they say you go out of business. Government never goes out of business. They try and take credit for that, too. That's going to save the world, frankly. If we didn't have that, this would be another Spanish flu from 1917. But, no, I watched him, and I, I think that uh, he is got to be grossly incompetent for him to say that because we had the border and you know that we had the border in perfect shape i made 85 percent reduction in illegal immigration during the trump administration versus now deals i wasn't giving any money to the triangle i wasn't you know the three countries if you take a look at and not including mexico and with mexico i was saying tariffs we're going to tariff if uh, you allow this to happen and we had it really stopped but uh, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, we had uh, we gave them 500 million a year for years and years and years, and I stopped it because they wouldn't accept the MS-13 gang members back. They said, and also, by the way, when you send money wholesale to countries that are corrupt, the money never gets to the people who need it. We've sent billions of dollars to these countries over the years, and the situation has only grown more dire. That's why their people are streaming over the border to come here. Nope, you keep them. We don't want them. They wouldn't take them back for, they wouldn't take them back for anybody, frankly, including me at the beginning. I said, do we pay them anything? Yeah, you know, 500 million. 
I said, stop payment. As soon as I stopped payment, Greg, they said, we'd love to have your MS-13 people back. Please send them back to our country immediately. We would love to have them in our country for the rest of their lives. So anyway, so uh, it all worked out well. And with Mexico, I said, we're going to tariff the cars. You know, they took 32 percent of our car business over the years with uh, foolish leadership and uh, and by the way, a new Ford plant is moving to Mexico. Thank you very much. Most probably because of the threat of higher taxes and a higher corporate income tax by the Biden administration. On our behalf. And I really, I tell you what, the president of Mexico is a great guy. We have a great relationship. They gave us 28,000 soldiers on the southern border, our southern border. They're not there anymore. Greg Kelly went on to talk to uh, Donald Trump about uh, Anthony Fauci and his relationship with the doctor. I got along with him actually very well. I liked him, but he was basically a salesman. And uh, he throws the baseball better than he predicts. That I can tell you about it. And throwing the baseball hasn't been so good. And had I listened to Fauci, we would have never had masks. We would have never banned China. We would have never banned Europe. You know, I banned China, and he was totally against it. I banned Europe when Italy and all the places were having... That's not what Andrew uh, Cuomo's saying. ...such problems. It's because Andrew Cuomo's not telling the truth. France, I banned them way early. We would have lost hundreds of thousands of people more. But as you know, they had a projected chart, 2.2 million people. And as you know, uh, nowhere near that. But most importantly, if you look at it, so importantly is the vaccine. The vaccine was amazing that it happened so quickly. It's never happened before in humankind. And again, the reason being is this president is a businessman. And in business, you go out of business when you fail. Okay? The government can fail ad nauseum and infinitum. And there's no problem with the government failing because they'll always get bailed out. Uh, you know, like the new $3 trillion package that they're proposing in the Biden administration after just spending $1.9 trillion of our children's money. Greg Kelly went on to talk to uh, the president about Joe Biden's fall up the stairs of Air Force One. Here is what he thought. You saw him take that terrible tumble on Friday. I was surprised he went down not once, not twice, but three times. Almost no mention of it yesterday on the Sunday shows. <laughs> I know that they gave you a hard time once when you walked a little bit slowly. Were you, were you as shocked as I was, or <laughs> maybe you weren't? Maybe you expected something like that to happen. I expected it. Actually, when I went down the ramp at West Point, which was like a sheet of ice with no railing, no nothing, great planning, uh, I wanted to go <laughs> inch by inch because the last thing I wanted to do is take a tumble like Biden did. No. Because the media would relentlessly hound him about it. That tumble was terrible, and it was... Uh, I mean, it wasn't really one, it was three. And it wasn't mentioned, for the most part, wasn't mentioned in the lamestream, as we call it, lamestream media. wasn't mentioned. It's terrible. It's like the whole thing is incredible. There's no longer freedom of the press. You just watch Okay. And also, I might add, Greg Kelly asked him about the 25th Amendment, which, of course, they threatened with uh, Donald Trump for whatever infirmity they may have thought he had and he didn't. But this is what Donald Trump had to say about removing Joe Biden from office with the 25th Amendment. You know, you mentioned once the 25th Amendment. People tried to say that there was a consideration about using that against you. I thought that was just one of many unfair attacks against you. You brought it up and you thought it was something that Joe Biden would have to worry about. Do you think he's got to be even more worried about that right now? The way Kamala Harris has been lurking and almost seems to be calling the shots. You know, you know, he called her President 
Harris the other day. <laughs> yes, that's right. No, well, a lot of people said when they brought it out, because it takes a while to institute. And when they brought it out, they said uh, they really mean it for Biden, just in case he gets in. So we'll see. Look, I hope uh, that's a very serious thing. And I hope that never happens. But it's certainly uh, there's something going on. It's crazy. What's what's happening is there is something going on. And there's no denying it. There was no denying it at all. In just a second, Chris Salcedo talks to Dr. Zudi Jasser about that topic. Also, I'm going to be talking to Andrew Giuliani about a uh, not highly covered story with regard to a dissenting D.C. court judge who says basically that the mainstream media is a mouthpiece for the left. Yeah, nearly all network television and cable is a Democrat Party trumpet, and we will hear what Mr. Giuliani has to say about that. Grant Stinchfield, one of my uh, favorite anchors on Newsmax, talked to Senator Marsha Blackburn about the border crisis. She went down and visited, and this is what she experienced. I just could not believe it when I got down there. And, you know, the starting point for all of this is this is the Biden immigration policy. This is... Did she say it's policy? Yes, she did. Joe Biden's responsibility. He has caused this because what he did was to eliminate all of the rules, the migrant protocols, ending catch and release, uh, asylum rules, all of those things that Donald Trump had put in place and that President Trump's DHS had put in place. They stopped building the wall and you can see in the footage, we're standing right there at the wall and yep. looking at what is going to I don't understand how walls work in Washington, D.C. surrounding the Capitol, but they don't work at our border. Happen if they don't finish it. But Barack Obama lives in a house that has a wall around it. Imagine that. Joe Biden and his administration have rolled out the welcome mat to all of these migrants and have said, y'all come on. Y'all come on, absolutely. Here she is talking about some of the programs, including uh, drug cartels renting children. This is for real. What they are saying is the jails are full. They're county jails, and ICE is not picking people up. And here is what the Biden administration is missing. What you have to do is put this remain in Mexico policy that they eliminated you have to put that back in place and you have to put the asylum rules. Now, let me see. What would you rather choose as an illegal? Uh, would you rather choose to have to stay put in Mexico in the desert or get a lovely hotel suite paid for by the Biden administration? Back in place. You have to get busy building that wall and closing the holes that are in that wall that are being exploited because most of the migrants... Most of the migrants pay close attention to this, kids that are coming now are young men. And you do have some that are coming with children. They are finding out that some of these children are are being rented in order to help adults get across the border. And then the children are having to be returned to their rightful families. Did you hear what she just said? about what's happening to children and the drug cartels are making billions of dollars. I reported yesterday that the drug cartels are making more 
trafficking people than they are trafficking drugs. Grant went on to speak to one of my favorites, uh, Sebastian Gorka. Love the way the guy this this guy talks. He talked about HR one. This is a scheme by Democrats to steal elections forever. Here is Sebastian Gorka talking about uh, why we have the voting system we have in this country and what the Democrats want to do with it. We are a republic, and the Constitution states it explicitly. The running of elections is run by the state houses, not by the governors, not by the secretaries of state. And when you have Democrats across the nation decide to send out tens of millions of unrequested mail-in ballots, when you have the drop boxes put in districts that are predominantly Democrat. And, and then, paid for by Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, by the way. And when you have decisions such as Ralph Northam, the butcher of Richmond, say <laughs> verification of signatures. Who needs verifications of signatures? Nah. When that mail-in ballot comes in, you don't have to check that the person who signed it has the same signature as the person with that name on the voter roll. I'm going to ask you a very simple question, Grant. Who wants to not check signatures. What is the motivation for not checking signatures? I'm thinking it's Democrats and they want to steal the election for 500, Alex. There's only one reason you would do that. It's if you want to steal an election. And HR1 is the attempt to codify a federal theft of every future election. And that's why Nancy Pelosi is desperate because they can't win the elections on the arguments. They've got to steal them. Ding, 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 and you win the prize, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. I could just listen to that guy uh, read a toothpaste label, and it would be fine. It would be fine. Rob Schmidt talked to Adam Carolla. He is a gen a Generation Xer like me who's become quite successful at podcasting and uh, writing books and stuff and speaker tour, and he's unabashedly uh, libertarian, I guess is what I'd call Adam, and I would say that I lean that direction as well. Here, Rob Schmidt is talking about uh, spring break in Miami, which has been a little different this year. Last night, there were a 1,000 arrests in Miami. Uh, there is a cultural element to what's going on in Miami, and people are afraid to talk about it. Uh, here is uh, Adam Carolla being, ta uh, being asked about spring break in Miami this year. I think it's the, it's the breakdown of the rule of law. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about what's been going on in the zeitgeist in this country over the last year but really the last five years it's just been an attack on cops an attack on the rule of law and it's empowered everyone to basically do whatever they want act however they want and this is in places like chicago and seattle and uh, st louis and uh and then basically it's blm and antifa is what he's talking about because they know that the cops are being scared of called they're being scared to be called racist i yes. mean let's let's just call it what it is thank you they don't want to intervene they don't want to intercede they're quitting in record numbers, and I, I don't blame them. I don't know where the next generation <laughs> of rookies is coming from. Who would want to be a cop? I would not want to be a cop. Yeah. In 2021 in America. So we basically we, we declared war on the cops, and, and we've also emboldened everyone to engage in behavior that they would never engage in previously. In this. Yep, absolutely. And uh, there is a, uh, there's a cultural element. There is a cultural rot associated with it. Did you see the Grammys? Adam also talked to, uh, I should say, <laughs> Rob also talked to Adam about the uh, grocery store shooting in 
Uh, Georgia. I want to switch it up. I want to talk about the massage parlor shootings from last week. The FBI director saying race is not considered a motive. Yet Biden moved faster than we've seen this man move in years to run right down to Georgia and have a big speech about racism and white supremacy. And the media plays along perfectly. Well, the media has to find the race story in every story. I mean, they found it in a pandemic. Think about how much race talk there was around a pandemic. If there was an earthquake, a flood or tsunami, it'd take them about 10 minutes to start finding the racial aspect of it. So there is no such thing as a story that dominates the news that doesn't have a racial component to it this these days, because that's what these people want to do. They want to destroy this country by essentially creating a race battle. It's the worst thing we could do to this country, but they will find it in every human exchange. They will, and uh, the phone is cracking up a little bit there, but I think you kind of heard what he said. Uh, finally, Chris Salcedo, one of my uh, my favorites on Newsmax, talked to uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser about Joe Biden's cognitive decline, which is obvious unless you're not paying attention or you're just trying to hide it. Are you seeing signs that give you pause on his current health as you compare where he was as to where he is today? Well, not only as a citizen, but as a doctor, Chris, I've not had the opportunity to see any signs. Uh, they've taken him out of uh, public circulation, basically. They did it during the campaign. And uh, that's sometimes one of the first signs of mild cognitive impairment, which we look at for uh, in our patients uh, as uh, they are concerned for memory issues and cognitive decline, et cetera. And also, uh, we've always been concerned about gait issues, you know, the cadence, the speed, the coordination, things like that. There's a reason Obamacare, when it came out for Medicare, told us that one of the first things I should check my patients for every year was how many falls, were there any injuries, what happened, was it when they were trying to rush? And there are some things that are pretty... Uh, pretty so you're saying that people with cognitive decline, when they're rushing, they tend to fall down, like maybe on stairs leading to a large airplane called Air Force One. Significantly correlated there that make you wonder. And a lot of studies have shown that gates and falls, et cetera, do correlate with cognitive impairment. And I have to tell you, as a Navy doc, I used to do, we used to do psychological and, 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 and cognitive evaluations on people much younger before they went to serve on clear subs underwater for nine months because of the importance of their position. This is not just sort of pressuring an older gentleman, no. This is somebody who's not only his hands are, are responsible for the executive branch, but his mind is also. Yes. And any major corporation, major governmental institution, our presidency should be transparent about the cognitive status of our president and commander-in-chief. Now, if Joe Biden, and I'm not meaning to be flippant, but if Joe Biden were your father, and we've had these talks, I've had this talk about people in my life, whether you let them continue to drive, whether you take the keys from them. If you looked at the way Joe Biden is behaving, would you have that talk? Here's more from the good doctor. Dr. Josser, do you, do you agree that that Biden biden strategy of this administration is enough to send up a lot of red flags, not only with the medical community, but also the citizens in general? I mean, what else are they gonna think? Uh, you know, you, you this is how we judge our leaders is by their articulation, their ability to to be mentally uh, engaged with the population, with world leaders on the world stage, and not only read off a teleprompter, but 
but be somebody who we know when they wake up at 3 a.m. or whatever time. Guys, this is important. Uh, they're going to respond with all of their faculties and be able to lead and keep us from getting in trouble. And, and uh, we're, we're getting more concerned because we've had now a little over 60 days and not even one opportunity to see how he deals uh, with that. And I Guys, they're hiding something. I know it's obvious to you and me, but to some people it is not. All of this adds up to they're hiding something from us. I can tell you right now in the medical community, if you were to go get a surgery and your doctor was 72, 75, whatever, it doesn't matter about age, but you were concerned about their cognition, you would not want them operating on you unless you knew that they had gone through certain vetting if you saw some things of concern. So every profession, from medical profession to the presidency of the United States, should have a way of being transparent if, if there's obvious public concerns about cognitive decline. 100%, and that, of course, uh, some of the newsmakers that have been featured on Newsmax the last couple of days. We have a special guest on the show, special assistant, former special assistant to uh, Donald Trump, now Newsmax contributor, Mr. Andrew Giuliani, who's going to talk to us about a, uh, a federal judge issuing a scathing dissent, accusing the media of liberal bias and being a Democrat Party trumpet. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. Rob, good morning. Great to be with you. Well, this is a story that kind of um, flew under the radar. I saw it on the UK Daily Mail, uh, the New York, uh, uh, the Daily News and the Post had it. Um, D.C. Circuit Judge Lawrence Silberman uh, basically said that uh, mainstream media, which we already know, is a is a mouthpiece for the left, right? That's exactly right. And uh, I can't say I'm surprised that the media did not cover this, right? I think yeah. it actually, in some ways, it, uh, it, it underlines exactly what Silverman is getting at uh, in this dissent, uh, that the media is truly uh, biased toward the Democratic Party, as they showed to be in 2020, uh, as they've kind of been building up to be throughout the Trump presidency, and probably really the last three or four decades before that. It has been this way for a very long time, and um, I and I mentioned to you earlier that I wrote for Rush Limbaugh, and and before Rush Limbaugh, there the media ran roughshod over everybody. You had to trust the three news anchors at night every night. You had to trust the papers, and they were all dominated by the left and Democrats. And uh, things really changed since since Rush hit the airways, and then I think the reason why so many uh, uh, media outlets—I mean, let's face it—I uh, don't I don't know if there'd be a Newsmax if it weren't for Rush Limbaugh. I don't know if there would be a, there would not be a Daily Caller or the Blaze. There would not be PJ Media. There would not be these things. So those are those are great outlets. However, the case that uh, this judge was dissenting on—he was the only dissenting opinion. Uh, two former Liberian. Uh, officials suing um, a human rights group, Global Witness. Now, that sounds convoluted, but basically yeah. the the human rights group, Global Witness, uh, did a report implying that they had accepted bribes from an oil company. They claimed that this was false, and ultimately the rest of the court said no biggie because they did not prove actual malice, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big part of this. Um, when uh, when Silverman discusses the Sullivan versus the New York Times decision in 1964, uh, which is kind of the framework for modern libel protections, yeah. uh, actual malice is talked about a bunch in there. And and, uh, and and really, the decision to show actual malice uh, really is uh, 
important. It's, 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 it needs to, you need to show actual malice in order to recover against a news organization uh, for libel. And he basically said that Sullivan versus the New York Times was a policy-driven result that the justices simply invented out of whole cloth. So it shows you basically his feeling for that New York Times versus Sullivan decision. And it actually piggybacks off of something that Clarence Thomas wrote a couple years ago, saying that the New York Times versus Sullivan should be overturned by the Supreme Court. Actually quoting him, he said, uh, the holding has no relation to the text, history, or structure of the U.S. Constitution, and it badly constitutionalized an area of law redefined over centuries of common law education. Now, that sounds very complicated. Uh, and uh, to, to me, what this says is uh, this is journalists using the shield of journalism like a shield exactly. against. And, and th- what's the difference between malice and journalistic malpractice? Yes. And, and that's, a, that's <laughs> no. a really, really great point. Come on, right man. There, there, that, that's, that's a great point. They're, they're able to basically slander anybody and claim that they are journalists under these protections. Uh, without having any uh, reprehensions, so so that's that's I think really where where the story is. Obviously, we believe in a free and fair press, but this is this is like when President when uh, when people would criticize President Trump for putting tariffs on uh, on China when when it would say, well, I believe in in free trade. Well, the president believes in fair trade, and free trade is not happening right now. I believe in a free press. Well, a free press is not happening right now. There needs to be something to be done where we can actually. You know, make sure the press is held responsible for some of the uh, terrible stories that they put out that are not based in in truth. Yeah. One of the things, uh, an exception to the rule, I guess, is Nick Sandman of Covington Catholic School. He was a private yeah. citizen and the uh, the media went after him when he was confronted at a uh, at a peaceful protest by um, a Native American, uh, uh, Nathan Phillips, who has disappeared from the radar. And the media immediately implied that he was smirking at him. He's a white supremacist and all, all, all this. And he was actually able to get away with a massive settlement from several news operations. I would have supposed the, the, the difference between that and Donald Trump possibly suing over three years of lies about uh, Russian collusion would be the fact that the president was a public figure. Am I on the right track here? I think I think that's probably right. I think they're they're probably protected from that being a public figure. Um, I also think that with the Sandman case, and, and I probably can't give you a good answer how this doesn't compare, sure. because we saw that we saw that there really wasn't uh, that, that there, there really wasn't anything there when it came to Russian collusion. It was you know based off an opposition research dossier. That's how they got four FISA warrants, et cetera, et cetera. We know the rest. But with Sandman, you know, if you actually see, there is more video. Of the entire, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, interaction between yeah. him and yeah. that that, uh, that that gentleman who ended up coming into his face, and you could see the context is more broadly defined when you just take it out of that 15-second clip right there, which media organizations knew. Yet they continued to yeah. run yeah. with the narrative that Sandman was, you know, a, a young racist kid yeah. with a "Make America Great Again" hat protesting it was now that's absolutely absurd it never made it to the court so i i would assume that this case might have been brought up this sullivan uh, versus the new york times but apparently the other parties involved that settled realized they really screwed up no. yeah i think that i think that's right and i, I think it uh, again it's it's a great highlight and talking point for us to show exactly 
how the media has has just absolutely failed the American public over the last certainly over the Trump administration. And as we talked about for decades before that. So in some ways, it's it's better to just, you know, get it, get it off your plate. If you know it's going to be a bad result, it's it's years of less coverage and uh, and you can at least settle it and, 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 and get done with it. But I, I certainly was very happy when Sandman was uh, received the settlement there, yeah. hoping yeah. that it actually would uh, make the media actually focus on their uh, journalistic responsibility yeah but the idea i don't think it <laughs> i don't think it helped much you know it doesn't seem like it did it no. does not seem like it did certainly uh, not in uh, october and november of 2020 that's for sure i just my my problem and, and what i've always said is the first amendment is the most glorious piece of legislation in the history of mankind aside from the magna carta and the other uh, uh, you know uh, and the other uh Amendments yeah. to the Constitution, but I'm going to tell you the First Amendment. The thing is, we we for the first time in, in the history of mankind, people were able to freely associate uh, with their faith, and they were able to express themselves freely. They were uh, uh, offensive speech was protected, and yet, you know, in North Korea, you have to toe the party line on a newscast, yeah. or you go to a prison camp. Here, the media chooses the party line, even though there are no repercussions from the yeah. government. It makes no it's, sense. It's amazing. Ugh. Yeah, you know, my, my my wife and I were were talking the other day when we read this uh, when we read this dissent, and we were just discussing. She's from Lithuania originally. The yeah. first couple of years of her life, she lived under Soviet rule, and she said the press reminds her more today of Pravda than it does of free yes. press. Pravda yes. being the newspaper in the Soviet Union yeah. uh, that that used to be the the mouthpiece for the government. And Pravda, by the way, means truth in Russian. So imagine you'd get the Washington Post. And it's just truth. <laughs> well, I loved I loved the fact that uh, people were talking about wanting access to the uh, the uh, in uh, I should, I almost said internment camps uh, at the border, and the, the Biden administration said they would they would send a video. <laughs> it just reminded yeah. me of, of what Pravda would do, or what a you know Russian TV station. Yeah. Would. We're going to send you the video from the government. Trust me, it's honest, it's perfect, unbelievable. I I, I don't know if this yeah. is this case is going to mean much. I think it meant a lot to us. Uh, this judge named. Fox News, New York Post, Wall Street Journal's editorial pages, uh, notable exceptions to the Democrat Party ideological control. Not the best exceptions, by the way. I think uh, Newsmax certainly is a better uh, a better example. Um, I'm not sure, Absolutely. you know, what this means, but it was nice to finally hear a magistrate express what's really happened in American media. I think that's absolutely right. And, and you know, one of the things when, when you talk about Newsmax being a better example, yeah, look, I think anybody who's looking at it sees that there have been a few people, myself included, in Newsmax that have been hired out of the Trump administration. But I think we are far closer to the center relatively yeah. Yeah. than the New York Times, than the Washington Post, than CNN or MSNBC. I mean, just take a look at the amount of positive coverage yeah. that would that uh, that they put that they covered on President Trump over the last four years. It's something like 97 percent of the stories were negative on yeah. CNN. I, I can't even tell you where the 3% that were positive were. I guess it was maybe 3% neutral or something like that. Now, one other thing I want to mention, uh, there is rumors, and it sounds like Donald Trump is starting his own social media platform. I'm like, what has taken yeah. so What has taken so long? This, I think, is going to be <laughs> epic. I, I've got a Parler account. I've got a MeWe account. I've got a Gab account. But Donald Trump is going to own everybody when he signs this thing on. What are your thoughts? I can't wait. Oh. I can't wait for it. I really, really can't. I wonder what the uh, what the over under is on downloads in the first day. I wonder. I wonder um, what the name. Know. I wonder what the name of the thing's gonna be. That's what I. I can't wait to hear what he calls it. 
It's got to be like de- deplorable. Uh, I, I don't know. De- deplor- deplorable something. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I wish you the best, but I will sign up on day one. Clubhouse. There you go. <laughs> Andrew Giuliani, appreciate you talking to me today, man. I know you probably got about 1,500 appear- other appearances today. Uh, where can people find you on the, uh, on the World Wide Web? New- well, obviously, Newsmax. Make sure you're downloading your Newsmax TV app. Yes. There we are uh, downloaded over 5 million times. We uh, dominate the OTT platform. Big time. Uh, and, and check your cable provider for Newsmax. All right, my brother. Take, talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thanks a bunch, Rob. Appreciate it. All right. There you go. That is uh, Andrew Giuliani talking about uh, this court case uh, and the dissenting judge. Uh, yeah, and also, by the way, I might add, you know, maybe you have a bunch of different sites you look at every day for your news headlines. Uh, just go to Newsmax.com. You're not only going to get headlines uh, you're going to get exclusive. You're going to get opinions. I actually write an opinion column occasionally. I know, kind of weird, right? So anyway, and then, of course, yeah, download that app. Download the Newsmax app on your phone, and you can watch Newsmax any time of day, anywhere, as long as you're not driving. Okay? All right. Or climbing some stairs to get on Air Force One. So I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Monday night, Claudia Conway, the uh, the daughter of uh, Kellyanne Conway, the former... Uh, White House spokesperson and, uh, and of course, her husband, who used to be with the Lincoln Project. Uh, she was voted off. Here's a little bit of uh, Claudia Conway. And then she was famous before this for really embarrassing her mom and dad on social media. Here she is with a little bit of her performance. That's just kind of okay. And, uh, well, it, it didn't get her on to the next round. Here is Katy Perry. Breaking the bad news. You're just coming to life. I can see it in you. And you're taking control of your life. This is uh, so much like a breakup. It's, it, you know, it's not you, it's me. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Claudia, this uh, is going to be the end of the American Idol journey for right now. Thank you so much. I'm just going to go back and enter, embarrass my parents some more now. I hope you learned a lot, and I hope you come and see us again. There you go. So uh, she is no longer part of uh, American Idol. I don't know if you knew this, but Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, he apparently is uh, getting a book written <clears throat> about him. It's a, it's, a, it's a children's book. Yeah, this is uh, pretty much, I'm going to call it propaganda. It is a new book called Dr. Fauci, How a Boy from Brooklyn Became America's Doctor. Uh, he's not my doctor, thank you. I've got somebody else that I, uh, I really trust. So it's going to target uh, kids who have pretty much no idea who Fauci is or why they should care, an inspiring tale of uh, stick-it-to-it-ness, and uh, it's going to help them, I guess, learn what it takes to be the top doctor in the country as well as the nation's highest-paid bureaucrat. Here is, uh, well, this is the author, uh, Kate Mesner. Kate Mesner wrote the book. She told CNN there's no... There's so much in this story that will resonate with kids today, riding his Schwinn bicycle around Brooklyn. To, he probably had one of those bikes with the big wheel in the front and the little bitty wheel in the back. I'm, I don't think he had a Schwinn like I had a Schwinn in the 1970s and 80s. Riding that Schwinn bike around Brooklyn to deliver prescriptions from his dad. His, wait a minute. His dad was a drug dealer. No, his dad was a pharmacist. He's delivering drugs. Playing stickball with the kids in the street of the neighborhood, and uh, he got to get along with all sorts of different kinds of people. Uh, I believe he wore a mask most of his childhood. He just he just did. Anyway, it's kind of funny that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is getting a book and Dr. Seuss books are being banned 
So I decided to uh, uh, write a Fauci book in the style of Dr. Seuss. And here's what I came up with. A year ago, he had the task of making us all wear a mask. He led us through this large morass. But some of us started to ask, why do we wear these silly masks? Then he replied, wear two more masks. We said our kids should go back to class. He said that you're just being crass. But his predictions didn't last. In the limelight, he loves to bask this DC inside bureaucrat. I know this virus soon will pass. So Dr. Fauci, if you ask, I will not wear your silly mask. I won't complete this pointless task. I will not wear two COVID masks. No matter how many times you ask, I will toss them in the trash. I will not wear them here nor there. I will not wear them anywhere. And if some Karen takes me to task, I will tell her to kiss my mask. We'll just leave it at that. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. I greatly appreciate you joining me and us in Newsmax for the Newsmax Daily. Again, make sure to download the Newsmax TV app on your phone and go to NewsmaxTV.com for times and listings to all of the glorious programming on Newsmax, including my show, Rob Carson's What in the World. Until tomorrow. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.